0: On this edition of Hoopsology, we welcome host of the YouTube channel AM Hoops, Casey Kiernan. We get his thoughts on Kyrie Irving, Ben Simmons, James Harden, and more. Then Matt and Justin discuss all the latest NBA topics, including trends in the NBA, the Warriors defeating the LA Lakers, the Nets losing to the Cavaliers, Kevin Porter Jr., and lots more. And now, Casey Kiernan. He is the host of his YouTube channel, AM Hoops. Um, We have the pleasure in welcoming Casey Kiernan onto Hoopsology. How's it going, Casey?
1: Hey, guys. What's up, Justin Matt? Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it.
0: You're welcome. So let's not waste any time. We have a lot to discuss. And I want to talk about Kyrie Irving. Um, And I don't know if you caught his press conference with the media, him just discussing returning. Honestly, this is full disclosure it kind of broke my heart and I just I just want to ask you point blank do you feel he should be playing basketball right now or do you think he should just be focusing on just his political issues that he's dedicated to his charitable um, contributions he's doing is basketball really the right place for him right now
1: um I would think so because he's a great basketball player but clearly he um is passionate about that other stuff as well I think it really comes down to the team and how much leeway they're willing to give him, um, you know. And if their expectation is for him to be a hundred percent invested with his time and with his mental energy, then I think that expectation is misguided, right? And so, you know, I think a lot of things in life have to do with our expectations. Uh, there's a saying that I live by once in a while. Uh, which is that an expectation is a resentment in waiting, right? So if mm. I expect something, um, more oftentimes than not, I'm going to be let down. So I think from a fan's perspective, from the team's perspective, if they expect him to be all in like Kobe was, you know, Kobe had that, uh, that um, uh, philosophy really of a mamba mentality. He was famous for getting up at 3 a.m. and working out, you know. Uh, he was elite offensively and defensively because he, he was he was singularly focused. That's not Kyrie, but if they expect him to miss games once a while all that stuff and be who he is, then yeah, he should be playing basketball because he's a great basketball player. You know what I mean? It all has to do with what we expect.
0: For sure, I, it just seemed like he just seemed totally checked out, and I think. But it was refreshing because he's known to be adversarial with the media. Some way he just seemed fairly honest in that interview, um, talking about on the court. How do you think he's going to mesh with um, James Harden and and Kevin Durant? We've seen him in action so far. Not the best results. They're phenomenally offensively, but not so great defensively. Um, Where do you think this trio goes from here in terms of their expectations? Because at least from a media standpoint, it's kind of championship or bust. Do you agree with that philosophy?
1: Oh, it's definitely championship or bust. But I think that they're clearly on their way to bust unless they fill out the roster with Um, You know, guys who have options, like guys in the buyout market, um, the the benefit that they have is twofold. Number one, they've got superstars on their team. Number two, they're in a great market that people want to live in. You know, and those types of teams are like a LeBron team where, you know, he's famous for getting veterans who are kind of ring chasing. They're guys who have options. They're talented. Um, They're not... much of a burden in terms of salary but they go there because they want to play with him you know and or they want to be in la and it's the same thing with this team they need to get guys who can close the game with them on the court uh guys who are so good at defense that can get a stop because so many of these games especially in the playoffs are like one possession games but not only do you need to get a bucket you need to get a stop and we know that they can get a stop right um and so Uh, You know, who's going to take that last shot? Um, I would say KD first, Kyrie second, and James Harden third. Um, Kevin Durant is Kevin Durant. He's a walking bucket. He's a mismatch nightmare. Kyrie Irving has shown in his past uh, that he's a clutch playoff shot maker. Uh, James Harden has not shown that, right? And, and, And I think that that's great for Harden. He can do what he has done, which is carry a team for three quarters and then the last quarter, maybe not. So this is a great marriage there. uh, But I think there's a clear delineation in terms of who takes that last shot.
2: Casey, follow up to that. uh, You know, you mentioned they need to get some other pieces, but they've also kind of handcuffed themselves in terms of what they can do with roster moves and things like that. They've given up lots of draft picks obviously to get James Harden. Do you think, there's potential that, you know, they trade maybe Kyrie, depending on if things get more volatile there. I mean, that seems pretty unlikely. But what do you think their options are as far as getting other, other pieces in there?
1: Yeah, their options are a trade. I don't think Kyrie's a, a likely candidate to get traded. Um, in terms of guys on their roster right now who might be uh, valuable on the market, probably, I mean, I want to say Joe Harris. It would hurt to get rid of him. Uh, but the buyout market is is the main thing. Um, and, you know, there aren't many buyout guys who make a big difference uh, in terms of the playoffs. But again, they've got the offense covered. They just need to get two more guys who can close games with them. Um, that's why it's a long shot. You know, it, it's to me, it's a long shot that the Nets uh, win a championship this year. But You know, it's, it's, we say championship or bust, but they've got guys under contract for next season too. So I think the off season really would be when they do uh, a lot of that team building.
2: Makes sense. Um, Keeping it in the East. uh, Justin and I have talked a lot about the 76ers over the past couple of years and faith in Ben Simmons or, or lack thereof. What do you make of their hot start this year? And of course, Joel Embiid is in podcasts I've listened to and, and among a lot of the media, kind of an early favorite for the MVP. Are you buying their hot start so far this season, or do you need to see a little bit more in the playoffs to be convinced?
1: Um, yeah, I think you always need to see more in the playoffs. Um, when a team like theirs has disappointed year after year, but I am a believer in the fact that they are a complete team. Um You know, they've got an MVP uh, type player in Joel Embiid. They've got good defense. Uh, There's a lot of hype about Doc Rivers, you know, and and his coaching and the failures that he's had in the playoffs. But I think they've got good coaching. So I think they have everything it takes to come out of the East. But, yeah, I do think that we do need to see it in the playoffs. And they need to stay healthy because that's been a big uh, issue for this team. Not just Embiid, but the last few years Ben Simmons has gotten injured as well i um, really glad that Tobias Harris has taken another step. Uh, they've got the shooting, which is great. Seth Curry has been awesome. Um, so I do buy their hot start. And uh, we've just been burned so many times by the Sixers in the past. Like last year, I was all over the Sixers. All the way to the end, uh, they made me look dumb. Maybe I was dumb. But... Um, <laughs> But you know, so so because they burned us so much, I still am sort of in wait to uh, wait. Yeah, wait to see mode.
2: They've made a lot of us look that way for sure. <laughs> I yeah, think. definitely. Um, Casey,
0: staying on the 76ers, I, I want to talk more about Ben Simmons because this has been a topic of discussion between Matt and I. And a lot of pundits still believe in him being a LeBron esque player in this league. i never seen that. I'm perplexed why that was even the impression, even in LSU. I never really understood why that comparison was made. And I noticed in your video, you pointed out his struggles this season, but I got the impression that you still see a lot of potential with him, perhaps on another team. So I guess what I'm asking you is where do you see his future in terms of realizing his potential? And do you still, do you even see it as a beyond just an all star, as a kind of transcendent player?
1: I mean, my biggest concern with him is that. He can shoot, but he just won't. Um, in that video that you referenced, there's this great clip, um, and it's on Twitter. I guess I'll retweet it, but um, it's of him in his summer league uh, before his rookie year. He's taking all sorts of shots. I mean, we mm. everyone talks about the three ball, right, the three ball. It's not just the three ball with him that he won't take. It's anything outside the paint, basically. Mm. And in this summer league video, it's crazy. He's taking all sorts of shots. And so... You know, I'm not a Sixer fan, but I have friends who are Sixer fans. And for them, they're done. They're over Ben Simmons. They are done with him. Um, And for a lot of us, it's just kind of frustrating for them. They're they're just so over it. So, I mean, yes, I think the talent is there to fulfill that potential you're talking about. But as long as he's unwilling to do it and no coach can sort of crack that code, um, no, I don't see it happening.
0: Um, I want to shift gears and I want to talk about the this rift, I guess, we're seeing between older players and younger players, and particularly um, Shaquille O'Neal's comments, I don't know if you caught it, on Inside the NBA regarding Donovan Mitchell, um, basically calling him out in a post-game interview, something that yeah, you never really see. Um, I guess I just want to get your thoughts in terms of... Was that an appropriate time for Shaq to call out Donovan Mitchell just right after he had a very impressive win and also the Jazz, the way they performed this season? And not only that, but Shaq's history with just um, JaVale McKee, um, Mcgee, excuse me, Dwight Howard. It it just seems, and even with Charles Barkley and Draymond, it seems like they're passing on this advice and it may not be wanted by these young players. Um, What do you make of this whole situation?
1: I think that the retired players hating on younger players thing is overblown because these guys their job is to I don't want to say criticize but analyze and anytime you're analyzing you're going to be pointing out the good and the bad right and so I think that it's such a sensitive thing whenever um anyone points out anything negative um it's their job it's their job to point out what guys are doing right and what they're doing wrong now of course um you can take it a step further like when uh Chuck with his triple single uh, comments about Draymond or with uh, Shaq and JaVale McGee doing the Shaq and a full and, you know, like the Shaq and a full hall of fame that JaVale McGee was in basically that take it to another level. And honestly, it's like, for me, I would have a thicker skin or I would like to have a thicker skin if I was those um, stars. But uh, with Donovan Mitchell, the whole point and, you know, it gets lost in in what Shaq, that one little clip with Shaq and Donovan Mitchell, the overall point was that Kenny Smith's categories for being a superstar is that you must dominate in three of six things. It's points, uh, passing, rebounding, defense, leadership, and pace. That's what he said, right? And, you know, I think you can say that Donovan Mitchell is great at scoring and leadership, but nothing else. I mean, that was their point, right? Um, But the thing with Donovan Mitchell on that team is he doesn't need to be We don't know what kind of defensive, uh, what kind of rebounding, what kind of assist numbers Donovan Mitchell could get if he treated the game like Russell Westbrook. But is that what we want? No, right? And and, and there's even a clip out there of the TNT guys criticizing Russell Westbrook for doing too much and taking away from what his other uh, teammates could possibly be doing. So, you know, to me, that kind of mindset is what creates selfish basketball. I hate it. I know a lot of fans love Russell Westbrook, and they love Trey Young, and they love James Harden. These guys who do get a lot of rebounds, assists, and points. I hate that kind of basketball because it's not winning basketball. And to me, it's a selfish approach to the game. The Jazz are constructed to have guys like Mike Connolly get the assists. Dominant rebounders like Rudy Gobert and Derek Favors I'm sure with the elite athleticism that Donovan Mitchell has, he could get those numbers if he wanted to. And I hope he doesn't buy into that because I love the kind of player he is. They need other things around him to reach that next level.
2: I'm with you a hundred percent on that. Um, as far as like filling up the stat sheet and, and things like that. I think if you've ever played basketball and you've, you've played with someone who kind of you know, I mean, even even talking about like the local YMCA where, you know, you pass it to them and you're not going to see the ball again or you're just going to get get put with the ball in bad spots, maybe or, or things like that. Yeah, I think um, you could kind of understand how that affects morale potentially of, of a team. Uh, I wanted to shift gears about the the season at large so far and, and just kind of your general impressions of 2020, 2021 so far. Obviously, we have. The pandemic, which, you know, the NBA, I, I think everyone pretty much agrees, did a pretty solid job with the bubble and kind of recouping after everything that went down this last year. And, and this season, it feels like kind of an odd mix to me because we have these games that are getting postponed. I believe the number's up to 20 at this point. Um, so things are a little volatile as far as that goes. But again, I think there's a lot of understanding. Um And then we have, you know, the joy of Kevin Durant being back. We have the joy of Steph Curry being back, even though we had the injury with Klay Thompson. Um, Wanted to get your thoughts and impressions of the season so far, how you're feeling about it. Do you feel pretty confident that we are going to get a full season this year? Um, Et cetera. Just your overall impressions.
1: Yeah. Uh, I think if there was ever a time to put an asterisk, on a season it would be this season at least the regular hmm. season i don't know how it's going to be in the playoffs maybe we're all vaccinated by then but um but yeah the regular season standings are just going to look like a mess i mean i think the are the grizzlies have their next four games postponed is that right uh i've seen these articles talking about how they have a scheduling problem and when they say this game is postponed to be made up later like there's a serious doubts in a lot of people's mind that they don't have enough time to make up all these postponed games. It is a lot um, of games that have been pushed back. Um, So I think the regular season is going to be weird, right? And then you always wonder how do standings that aren't true, you know, to the competitive balance of the league, how does that affect seating and therefore matchups and therefore the integrity of the playoffs, right? Um, Now I don't think any of that's going to be questioned if we get a Lakers – I don't know, Lakers Bucks finals or a Lakers Nets or a Lakers Sixers or whatever. Um, but if we get something like, I don't know, Lakers uh, Pacers, you know, I think people will then question the integrity of a Lakers championship or whatever. So that, for me, that's going to be kind of wait and see because I don't know how we're going to look at the integrity of the playoffs and how that is affected by the pandemic. Um, So, look, it's really interesting. But they've got to do what they've got to do, right? They have to play the games. They have to postpone the games. It's fine. We're all living in this weird pandemic world, right? Um, But then as far as the actual play is concerned, there were a lot of blowouts at first. It seems like that's come back to earth. I've been really impressed by the Clippers, um, especially their three-point shooting. They're like the 2016 Warriors. I don't know if Mm. you've seen their individual uh, three-point percentages. It's insane. It's like 50%, mm. 45%, 45%, 40%. There's like wow. no one in their starting lineup under 40 something percent, even wow. like Patrick Beverly. It's crazy. Uh, <laughs> Nick Batum's been great. He's taken off some of the ball handling pressure of Kawhi. They didn't get that true point guard. Um, I like the Clippers. Very disappointed by the Raptors. Um, you know, eventually the, the talent exodus is going to catch up to him. Eventually losing Kawhi and Serge and Marc Gasol Um, and being this team that always finds the diamond in the rough undrafted guy. Like that's a good story, but eventually that's really not good. Like if that's a bad thing, depending on that's bad. Um, So, you know, some disappointments, some uh, uh, surprises, but, you know, at the end of the day, it's basketball, it's games. I I remember the months and weeks we had no games. Like, I'm just so glad that we have these games. It, yeah, it might be an asterisk, but, you know, I love basketball either way.
0: One last question for you, Casey. Um, how has your fandom been affected due to pandemic in terms of these players having to deal with these unusual circumstances, games being postponed? Have you noticed your joy of the game changing due to what you've watched in the bubble and what you observed this season? What your overall kind of impressions as a fan compared to before the pandemic started?
1: Um, to be honest, every single time a pandemic topic gets brought up in a podcast or whatever, I skip through it. I, I don't really read any of the pandemic articles. It's not interesting to my audience on YouTube. If I did a pandemic uh, or how COVID-19 is going to affect this season video, it would perform horribly. Um, fans care about, you know, they care about LaMelo Balls performance as a rookie. They care about, uh, you know, are the Hawks going to make the playoffs with all of their offseason additions? Um, They care about, will Bradley Beal be traded? You know, those kinds of things. And so for me, you know, basketball hasn't really changed in that way. Um, I trust these guys. They're a lot smarter than me, you know, uh, Adam Silver and, and the scientists that they have employed. So to me, it's as much of a non-factor as it can be,
0: really. Got it. Well, Casey, thank you very much for joining us. Please plug where our listeners and viewers can find you on social media and what you're up to in um, the new year here.
1: Yeah, really, the main thing is the Aim Hoops YouTube channel. Just dropping five videos per week. Uh, I feel like I'm doing my little intro. Uh, five <laughs> videos per week, always at 5 p.m. Eastern. And, uh, you know, at Casey Kiernan on Twitter, uh, there's the Aim Hoops podcast um so really Twitter and, and the YouTube is where people can find me
0: nice well Casey uh, thank you very much for joining us I'm taking time out of your Saturday uh, we truly appreciate it
1: absolutely guys appreciate it Thanks,
0: thank man. you Casey welcome to another episode of Hoosology. I am Justin Goodrum, joined by Matt
2: Thomas what's up man dude dude what's up man pretty typical hashtag dad Sunday for me oh, I yeah. went to Costco run Um <laughs> Spent a lot of time cutting up some boxes with a box cutter in the garage. So, you know, pretty pretty sweet Sunday. What's up with you?
0: Uh, nothing much. I guess I'm a copycat because before doing this, this came back from Costco.
2: <laughs> <So>. Nice. <laughs> You're yes, yeah. in Albuquerque living that Costco life. Right. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, the other thing I was going to point out, I went digging through some of my stuff. I know I'll be quick because this isn't great podcasting, but do you see this logo? <laughs> I do. Do you remember? Uh, I do. You guys on YouTube can check it out. But yes, I'm, I found my, had to dust it off a little bit, but my old New Mexico Thunderbird, shout out to the G League. Right. From back in the day, back when it was the D-League, um, mm-hmm. before they moved on to Ohio, uh, my wife and I caught a bunch of their, their games, uh, actually not even here in town, but close by to Albuquerque while they were here. So yeah, supporting that today, supporting those Thunderbirds that aren't even here anymore.
0: You know what's so embarrassing, like, and no one would understand this except you and me, is I actually <laughs> thought that was like a Grant Eagle. I was like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but then I was like, I saw the Adidas, and I'm like, that we didn't have any Adidas. Why should I take that back? Wasn't your warm up, wasn't that Adidas, or no? I can't remember. Because I remember, like, my dad has those warm ups, like, a bunch of people did. Um, I don't know if the Adidas made it. But, anyways, I thought it was I think an, you're right. It, I thought it was an Eagle.
2: But, it looks um, very similar yep yeah shout out to Grand middle school <laughs> right
0: uh, but to your point um I you were really on on the D league and then the G league I I fully admit it, I dismissed it um, I was doing my internship at the local television station in town KRQE with Van Tate a uh, uh, former guest of ours and we would go cover the games and I was just like what's the point of this league like what's the future? And I really just I knocked it, and you know I was totally wrong. And it's been really a big um, point of development for the NBA, and I see it becoming bigger um, in the years to come. So it it sucks they left. It's a bummer. Um, I think it it came too early, so I don't think people really understood what the point of the league was um, compared to now. Because I think you know there's a lot of a huge basketball contingent here, both men's and women's, and I just think with the Thunderbirds, they're especially Tingley it's not the greatest arena for basketball and then also the concept wasn't really flushed out yet so um that's probably why it didn't do as well as people would hope
2: but uh, yeah agreed with you and i i think G league if if you have one in your area it's worth seeing who is on the rosters, seeing who is coming to town and scouting those players. So like, if, yeah. if you are a pretty hardcore basketball fan, if you're listening to this, you probably are, um, you know, it's that's where I think you find the value in the G league is scouting that because there can be games where, you know, defense is pretty sparse. There can be games where, um, you know, it might be a huge blowout, but, when you're looking at specific guys, you know, like, like back in our time, Jr. Giddens was on yep. the Thunderbirds every now and then it was, it's fun kind of seeing him since we, you and I had seen him play for the Lobos. Uh But I think it's definitely, it's a different kind of watch for sure. It is. But I think it's something that will expand even like in the next 10 years, I think G league will get more and more popular as interest grows in the NBA.
0: The games are entertaining. And I think it's, if, I don't know, it's going to sound weird, but kind of how the Summer League had a groundswell of popularity because, really, it wasn't like the NBA pushed hardcore to promote Summer League. It just became like this kind of hardcore thing, and it, it blew up to where, you know, you have lots of this basketball fans just go in there for the summer um, as opposed to the NBA just kind of, you know, feeding it down everybody's throat during the regular season in the playoffs. So um, I think the G League has a lot of – chance to do that just depending on how they market it on social media so um, we'll have to see what happens there um, but anyways um, just to shift gears to the NBA lots to talk about um, we have a discussion about the Warriors defeating the Lakers this past week um, the Nets losing to the Cavs um, and Kyrie's return um, drama of course um, featuring Carmelo Malone and Zion Williamson what else? <laughs> um, um, Shaq another beef with Donovan Mitchell uh, we touched on that with the interview you just Heard with uh, Casey Kiernan. Um, We have Steph Curry passing Reggie Miller, and then we're going to break down um, the Lakers against the 76ers. um, Hopefully, on Wednesday, if the game doesn't get canceled, we'll have to wait and see there. But Matt, first, um, you have your trending topics of the league this week, so why don't you go ahead and kick us off?
2: Yes, several games postponed this past week. The good news is we still do have consistent basketball action so that that is the positive still I, I know headlines are here and there but looking at trends from the past week as we always do just to keep you guys up to date on what's going on in the east we had the hawks Cavs, and sixers win their last three as uh, as we record today on sunday um trending down the celtics have lost their last three as well as the hornets And the Pistons have lost their last four. They just recently lost to the New Look Rockets. I was following along with that game. Go Rockets West in the Western Conference trending up. The Jazz have won their last eight, which is one of the longer win streaks. I think the longest we've reported on so far this season. Clippers have won their last six. Grizzlies have won their last five uh impressively with Ja morant returning um and trending down is still the new orleans pelicans who will touch on a little bit they have lost their last three so that is our current trends for the nba just to set you guys up as we go into the headlines for the week for sure um and i think it's very
0: interesting that we'll, we'll discuss it later you now the jazz have won eight in a row and you know we had Donovan Mitchell's being questioned, and we'll, we'll discuss that later on. Um, but I want to discuss with you the, the Warriors and the Lakers. And now that Steph Curry's back, the, the Golden State Warriors are now a relevant team, right? It, it seems like, I don't know you've ever seen the, you know, the Avengers. And I don't know if you're watching WandaVision now, um, you know, when, spoiler alert for people who haven't seen, you know, um, what is it in game or um, Infinity War? But I'm gonna spoil some stuff right now for you. Um, <laughs> Vision basically, you know, gets killed by Thanos and he's just kind of, you know, inoperable, but yet he's kind of like brought the life in this TV show. And I think with the Warriors, very similar, right? They're just irrelevant last year, not even discussed, don't have to really talk about them, and now they're, they're relevant again whether or not you think they're going to make the playoffs or win the title, they're they're relevant. And they're a threat. And I think we saw this in this game, and particularly with Steph Curry, um, the Warriors being down by 14 points in the fourth quarter to come back and defeat the Lakers 115 to 113. And I want to discuss this from a Warriors point of view because I've seen Steve Kerr being frustrated this week in terms of just the other things that encompasses a team I guess having winning basketball, and despite this win, I sense that Steve Kerr's still frustrated. So from a say Warriors' point of view, um, they're not terrible, but they're not great. They're kind of in the middle. What do you expect from the Warriors this season? What should be their expectations? You know, with Steph Curry, because we've seen that the best Steph Curry is when he's playing with other great players around him compared to him just being the primary star you know compared to like LeBron or a Kevin Durant which they can carry their teams Steph is it's not necessarily that type of player in terms of the Warriors being a, a title favorite with him being just this, the number one option everybody just i guess forming around him so what do you make of just your your just overall impressions of them beating the Lakers and what do you think their future is moving forward
2: Look this week was in my opinion a a great microcosm of what the Warriors are this season and what I think they will continue to be. They had the highest of highs winning against the Lakers, a team that I think they're at five losses now as of recording for the season. Uh, maybe six, uh, they've gotten 12 wins. Uh, so doing very well at the top of the West with the Clippers there. Uh, so you have the Warriors able to punch up and take them down for a game. Then later, uh, their very next game against the Knicks, you have, you know, Draymond Green had that controversial second technical foul call. There was a lot of talk about it. We can expand on that if you want, but, uh, but basically a referee thought that Draymond was yelling at him. Draymond gets called for his second technical of the game, gets thrown out. The Warriors may have lost this game anyway, but point being, they lost to the Knicks in this very next game. Knicks, a very mediocre team, have been very, very much so outperforming expectations. Credit to the Knicks for that. But really a team that someone in serious title contention Um, wouldn't be losing to, at least on a regular basis. So it may have just been a gotcha kind of win. But looking at that and those two games, that's kind of the Warriors right now. I think it's going to be very difficult with the extra burden placed on Steph. Even when Draymond is there, I think it's going to be difficult for them to work any higher than where I had projected them in our preseason, um, in our season preview, excuse me, for the West, which is at the eighth seed. It's going to be, hard in my opinion for them to scale past that now another thing that's happened uh over the past week and a half is andrew wiggins has been playing better for this team and that was really one of the keys that you and i discussed was they need to make up that production of Clay Thompson. And the guys to do that are Kelly Oubre Jr., who has been at times horrendous, especially more towards the start of the season, and Andrew Wiggins. So at the start of the season, both of those guys were pretty terrible, I think, trying to find their place. Now they've gotten better. I still think this is going to be a very up and down roller coaster type of team. Do you see anything so far? That indicates that you know they they might be able to hold off kind of some more of these high performance uh, games like they played against the Lakers this week.
0: Um, I don't. I think it kind of depends on James Wiseman's development. To be honest, you know the West is just so tight right now, and I it's hard for me to see them as being a factor when Steph Curry is your only primary you know, option there. It's just the, the stakes are too high. Um, the competition's too steep, really, in both conferences, near the top. So I think at this point, this is more of a season just to get Steph's legs underneath him, getting him back to, hey, you're playing, you know, an 80, 72 to 82-game schedule competitively to where he can have a wrestling comeback the next season with Clay Thompson. So I think – them in the playoff hunt and them missing the playoffs is gravy. I think them just being terrible I think would be a setback. So I, I want to make it clear that them just tanking and the, them being terrible I think would hurt them. Um, however, just due to the circumstances of them not having Klay Thompson, I, I feel like they can grow their team. And I think you're right. With Kelly Oubre and Andrew Wiggins, that's going to be the question marks, right? Where do these two guys fit on this team? Because it's fairly clear. You know, it's Klay – um, it's Steph, it's Draymond, and it's James Wiseman. Everybody else is expendable. So I, I would say that that you're for those two players I just mentioned, it's tryouts um, in terms of their their future moving forward. Because I, I just see them, especially with the money they they make, it's just not looking good for their your future if they yeah. perform poorly. So we'll just have to, to wait and see. Um, for sure, with, with the Lakers, just real quickly because I think they're the favorite. I'm not sweating them losing. I know, Matt, you mentioned, um, I think, LeBron and Anthony Davis, they were late for their post-game press conference, and um, there's speculation of them just being angry. I think that's good, as holding their team accountable. So I don't have any issue with it. I don't don't think there's any time to panic. I I just think they're the elite team in the NBA. I'm not worried, personally. um, I'm not really sold on the 76ers, ironically, just because Joel Embiid, I've been really pushing him. But I guess the teams that are a threat to the Lakers, I'm not sold on them harming their finals chances. Um, So we'll just just have to, to see how COVID plays into affecting the Lakers in terms of if players are missing, maybe that affects things. But for right now, I think they're the, the large favorite so far.
2: Yeah. And I think the Lakers are in that kind of rare tier where they need something to give them a struggle And so if, if anything, this loss to the Warriors and I believe Bill Simmons mentioned earlier this year that uh, someone had said LeBron still kind of hates Steph Curry or there's still a lot of animosity there, which pretty understandable with them being competitive rivals since 2015 um, and certainly matched up against each other plenty of times well before that. Uh, But as far as those title grab matchups um, they've been top rivals for a long time. So I think it's, having a reality check and having a struggle and a setback during the regular season is good for the Lakers. I think the worst thing that could maybe not the worst, but it, it would be terrible for them to go into the playoffs thinking that they can just coast. And I mean, that may still be the case for them with how deep they are, but this is something that's, that's going to be good for further motivation down the season. Cause you had better believe next time the Warriors are on the calendar, LeBron's going to have that date circled for well before uh, the night of that game. They're they're going to be ready and motivated to uh, bounce back, which we don't see in every single regular season game.
0: So to that point, and I want to just transition to the Nets and Cavaliers, but just with that, I mean, looking at the standings now, it seems like people were worried about the anomalies and just like teams missing games because of COVID, but looking at the standings, it's played out the way that we've thought. I mean, honestly, besides Denver being 9-7, and seven, and it seems like they're, as you mentioned, um, they have bounced back. And we've seen, like, the Jazz. Um, they're 12-4 and four now. Just looking at the standings here, like, there's a lot of teams in the middle of the pack. I mean, you have your top teams, and everybody else is kind of near 500 or right below it. So I think for, like you said, the Lakers, and I think especially for the Nets, because I think LeBron's a veteran, and Anthony Davis, and he just I just think that team, just the culture there, I'm not too worried about them taking things lightly, per se. But with the Nets, that's a different story. And we, we saw them um, get Kyrie back, and them in a, it really, I think the double header they lost to the Cavs both times. And I believe the first game, was it double overtime or just a single overtime in that one?
2: Uh, I believe it was double overtime, double overtime. the first okay. game Got that they matched up. Yeah. Yeah. And then, um, uh, yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah. 147, 135. But all the guys put up great stats. But as we all know, like very little defense. Um, I guess my question with this team is what to make of them. Because everybody's getting hyped. Oh, they're just great team in terms of offense. We've never seen this before. Like this is going to be so incredible. But we kind of seen it before, somewhat with just the Warriors, and that's happened fairly recently. And not only that, that team was tight defensively, and he had Draymond Green. So just seeing them on the court, what are your overall impressions? Are they a, I guess, title contender, or I guess, are you impressed with them? Not only just from you know, it's cool to see them do all these fancy plays, but you know, the nitty-gritties, can they win the title? I I think not. Um, this based on his performance with the Cats. And I realize there's room to improve, but is this gonna be a, a case where, you know, the the Miami Heat, I mean, you're very close to that team at when they first got LeBron, Bosch, um, and Dwayne Wade. That first season everybody expected them to destroy everybody, and that wasn't the case. Do you see that scenario playing out similarly with these guys, or do you
2: see them maybe overcoming it? It's interesting because James Harden uh, you know, every everyone was always—I uh, mean, the whole time he was on the Rockets, really. It was your your fanhood as as a Rockets fan, if if you were one, or if you're just paying attention to the team, or rooting for James Harden in those that MVP season. Um, you know, the whole story with with him was like, man, he's scoring forty how many assists is he getting with this? Wow. Cool. He's almost averaging a triple double or, you know, he's gotten this many triple doubles, you know, very similar to that Russell Westbrook narrative that we also saw in OKC in 2016 Um, with the nets. He has taken back his shots and he has acted as more of a facilitator, which I like to see and, and which I think is also really interesting being paired with Kyrie because Kyrie has some of the best handles, if if not the best handles, in the NBA right now. Um, so it's it's very interesting to think about how that's going to play out uh, and if maybe they can space off of each other. When we spoke with Casey earlier, I posed the question to him about, you know, what's this team going to do with their roster? There's really not a whole lot of options. He talked about buyouts, which I, I think is absolutely true, maybe some veterans. Being in the hunt will join this team, um, but if it were me personally, and maybe this is my my own personal bias, but I would trade Kyrie for more depth and and more pieces. If, if you could line up some kind of deal, uh, maybe on a team that needs a superstar that that has no identity right now, maybe, but maybe they have a couple defensive wings or or things like that. Uh, I would I would really strongly consider Kyrie, I'm not gonna spend a long time there because I think there's very very little chance of that happening as Casey alluded to. Um, yeah. but I, I do see this team as incredibly flawed in that sense. Um, I, I don't even know so much that these guys can do anything on the offensive end. i'm I'm still not hundred percent sold. But I don't want to write that off. I want to see more games, a bigger sample size for sure. The Warriors were, I I don't think they're a fair comparison, certainly on talent level. But with how those guys complemented each other with, you know, Clay Thompson being able to score 37 points in a quarter just on catch and shoot. You know, he had that one game where I think he scored 60 or very close to that With taking 11 dribbles over the course of the game. That's not the case, at least traditionally with Harden and Kyrie. And I I do think we'll see them expand kind of catch and shoot tendencies, being able to play off each other a little bit more. It's Probably a nice relief for James Harden to be able to play off the ball at all if he wants to. Um, But I think defensively is where myself and I would say most of the major media that I've listened to over, uh, I mean, well before this week, um, has questions and I think rightful concerns because I don't know if you have the coaching schemes in place to be able to make up for some of these deficiencies. I mean, DeAndre Jordan is not the DeAndre Jordan from the Los Angeles Clippers who was really – kind of an athletic phenom, uh, really, really high vertical, pretty decent lateral quickness for a big, although he was, he certainly wasn't guarding people out on the perimeter very much, but you know, that Deandre Jordan has aged. Yes. He can still grab a board and he doesn't need a ton of shots, which is nice. He's everyone talks about, he's a chemistry guy. Cause Kevin Durant loves him. Uh, but at the end of the day, I don't know when you're playing like we said last week the bucks or miami i don't know if that's getting it done so i i guess i need to see more of a sample size and i'm i'm not really sure they can do anything on defense about it what what are your thoughts as you've watched you know highlights this week um they got those two losses in cleveland they recovered against kind of, a, you know, a patched together Miami Heat team. It wasn't really the Heat at 100% strength, but they did get the W finally on their third attempt. Third time's a charm. They get the yeah. win as a trio. Um, I don't know. What are your perceptions on this team?
0: Yeah, just real quick. I mean, I echo your sentiments. I don't have too much to add. I just say, you know, with DeAndre Jordan, that's a glaring weakness. I mean, like you said, with those two teams and the 76ers, he's going to have to start. I mean, they'll, they'll, I'm my guess is that they'll, they'll they'll have to go through two of those teams to get to the finals and then you have Anthony Davis so that's this that's the difficulty right when you're you're in the playoffs in which you need both ends of the floor and like you'll listen to with our guest coming up this week uh, with John Hartofyllis um, he's just explaining how you know you're not putting the best just five players out on the floor you're putting the best five players you can play together and if that is the case you're starting five and that starting five is not going to be up to somebody else's starting five in terms of chemistry so i think that's where the struggles are going to come into play going to be entertaining it'll be fun <laughs> to watch i'm going to enjoy the drama but you know in terms of taking them, them seriously as a legit um contender for the title i don't think so but it'll be interesting to, they're they're the most compelling story in the nba so um that'll be fun from that aspect but to take them seriously as a a threat, I doubt. Um, so we'll see.
2: Yeah, I'm curious to see, you know, how James Harden as a player is gonna evolve in this situation because we saw in Houston over the past eight years, everything handed to him on a platter, kind of his way or the highway. He was the franchise guy. Like even when they brought Dwight Howard in, who wasn't too far removed from his prime, it was still clear this is James Harden's team. Uh it, it seems to me that, you know, to to be positive You know, Harden has really embraced this role as a facilitator, like I've said, and he doesn't seem to be looking to challenge KD or Kyrie for like a leadership thing. Yeah, 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 good point. Um, But I I think he may be happier and and the happiness that he showed when he arrived to the team may have been genuine. Like he wanted to breathe that sigh of relief that, okay, now this is KD's team and I'm going to get my numbers. I'm going to facilitate We're going to have, you know, have an easier time thinking going in um, because I've got those two guys by my side. You know, Uh, of course, they always say winning cures everything, but the opposite applies as well. I mean, if they go on a huge losing streak, if injuries happen, things like that, you're right. I think it's still a very volatile situation. Agreed.
0: Um, let's move on to some news in the NBA, and this is something that um, yourself and I have been talking about, and that is um, Kevin Porter um, Jr. Uh, being sent to Houston, um, This all the drama that he's been dealing with. Um, the Cavaliers have traded um, the 2019 pick. Um, and Kevin Porter Jr. to the Houston Rockets for a heavily protected future second-round pick. Um, it was announced on um, this past Friday. Um, the pick is top fifty-five protected, meaning that it likely never to convey. Um, sources tell ESPN. Um, and then it goes on, it says here the Rockets are taking Porter. Um, he's 6'4, um, 30th overall in the 2019 um, draft. Um, he's had tons of personal issues, which I'll outline in a second. Um, this season, he's 20s, so young guy. I mean, there's lots of room to grow there. Um, 10 points, uh, about three rebounds, two assists, um, and had a promising rookie season last season. Um, Matt, as you know, Matt. In any um, sport, um, team sport in particularly, um, when you have problems outside of the court, your time in the league is going to be limited. And um, this is from, I believe, NBA.com. He was accused of punching a woman in August and two months later sent to the Cavs um, looking to help him at a cryptic Instagram posting. Um, And then Porter was arrested on gun and marijuana possession charges in November following a single car accident. So I guess my question is to you, Matt, you know, I'm not down for punishing players for this one, for I guess their mistakes for the the rest of their career. However, this seems to be a pattern of behavior. And for the Houston Rockets perspective, when you're dealing with a lot of change, you know, they have all these picks coming up in the future. You have John Wall, you have Boogie Cousins taking on a Kevin Porter Jr., What do you think is the benefit for the Houston Rockets here? Do you see they see any promise? I mean, this guy could be a massive distraction, not to mention the drama with him, you know, with the Cavaliers giving up his locker and him, you know, just flipping out about it. He just has a lot of maturity issues, and I think this might be a case in which the Rockets, if things don't go well, may cut him. He may have to play overseas to really be humbled and maybe come back later. Do you see him... I guess, hitting rock bottom and perhaps Houston might being a chance to turn over a new leaf, perhaps? Or do you see this, you know, further, further, I guess, deteriorating for him?
2: Yeah, yeah, all excellent points. And there is certainly a lot of um, risk here as far as um, you know, character wise, how is he going to adapt and evolve and learn from his mistakes and, and hopefully turn things around uh, because of, of those previous issues? There's definitely a lot of concern there. Uh, the risks aren't that high for Houston in that, I mean, this this guy really was worth a first round pick, maybe more than a first round pick um but because of those issues because of Cleveland wanting to just get him out of that situation as quickly as possible because there was an altercation with the GM there um you know the the rockets get really lucky uh in that they can bring him in for very very little risk as far as what they gave up um the the best thing that i've heard about this is that he's going to be mentoring under assistant coach John Lucas And he is someone who has mentored troubled NBA players in the past and troubled NFL stars. Um, I, I was, uh, I was made aware of doing some listening and kind of researching this topic. So that is the hope there. And I think Kevin Porter jr. Is in a situation where if he doesn't shore up these character issues quickly, I mean, like if, if there is another incident while he is on the Rockets. I mean, my my prediction would be he's probably out of the league and probably for several years, um, if if ever being able to return. Because there is a certain amount of second chances that teams are willing to take on you. And and you can see that it's getting close to that point because it's like a, a 55th protected pick, a second round pick. So I mean basically giving up nothing to acquire him. So the leash is is very short, so to speak. Um, they're not going to have a lot of patience there, but hopefully with John Lucas working with him, um, you know, he, he can make those changes. I mean, everyone loves a comeback story. Everyone would love for him to um, kind of get things right in his personal life and be uh, a successful player and more importantly, a successful person just overall.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. Um, moving on to... I guess this has been a theme this season with the older generation and the younger generation. This is something that we'll talk. We talked about with John um, and as well as Casey. Um, and the latest is um, Carmelo stating that Zion should play um, about forty minutes per game. And I don't know if this is necessarily a reflection on Zion or just the coaching in general. And I noticed at least this season that with Zion in particular,ly I believe his minutes are up, and I've, to me, he seems like. His production is up as well. I don't. I don't get the sense that they're babying him or trying to necessarily control him. Um, I believe he's able just to be, I guess, be free compared to the previous season in which there's a lot of restrictions around him. Um, I don't necessarily think the criticism is wrong, but at the same time, you know, there's plenty of players that don't really play, you know, 40 minutes per game. Um, is there is there really anything to see here? Is this blown out of proportion, or do you think there, there's something deeper here?
2: Yeah, it's interesting when when I went back and listened to the full audio clip there of Carl Malone, he was actually referring to uh, Glenn Big Baby June uh, uh, Davis, Glenn Big Baby Davis, sorry, uh, who's Baby Shack from LSU, yeah. and was saying, you know, kind of that there's been these injury concerns with Glenn Davis in the past. His career got derailed because of injuries. Um, And he was saying that Zion has a very, very similar build to Glenn Davis, which I think if you like look at Zion's shoulders and his build, he's certainly a much more athletic version of Glenn Davis. But I do think that it's a fair comparison uh, to compare their builds. Um, But I You know, I don't really see Karl Malone's comment as all that offensive or inflammatory just because of the hype that Zion had coming in from the draft. And if we want to compare him to like he's the next LeBron, not in in terms of what his play looks like, but in terms of you're going to be the face of the league, you're you're going to carry this. I mean, you know, my guy back here, Michael Jordan, and LeBron Mm -hmm. James and Kobe Bryant and all these guys that have been the face of the league at various times. I, one thing that's been pretty consistent over the course of their year is durability. So you are there to play your minutes and you are playing a lot of minutes typically. So if he never gets to the point where he's averaging, you know, more than I'd say at least 36 minutes a game, that'd be three quarters of basketball It's going to be hard to put him in that same, that same stratosphere of players. Even, even if he talent wise never pans out, cause let's be honest, it's, it's unlikely we're talking about, you know, very, very, um, I mean we're we're talking about all-time greats in the NBA there. So the chances are still against Zion as far as that goes. But if he wants to be in that conversation, if he wants to even have a shot at being there, then I agree with what Carl Malone is saying. And, and I don't I don't think those comments were um, really made. Like if if you listen to his tone, um, I mean I I think he wants what's best for Zion. I don't I don't think he was trying to diss him or call him out. He's just saying he needs more minutes.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think it's blown out of proportion. He's just making an observation. I don't is, <laughs> I don't really see the the controversy there, especially because you know Zion is, has been criticized for his weight. So like this is way low on a totem pole. It doesn't even register as like a criticism at all. So, it's just one of those things on Twitter. You know how it goes, man. Just like Carmelo has something to say about Zion, and it just blows up into his big
2: thing. Um, well, you know, and that's what kind of, uh, made me laugh about it yeah. and put it on our topics was sure. it's been a long time since we've seen Carl Malone in the headlines. It's true. So <laughs> I was like, what? Carl Malone said something he's usually he off, you know, hunting, fishing, <laughs> doing other things.
0: He did interview for the last dance. I thought, um, his name came up. Mm. I think it was, that was a little bit more controversial. I'm trying to, I think it was something about Jordan or something like that. Um. And Stocks, and I, it's on YouTube. I have to look at it again. But I think Dow is like way more of a controversial thing than this, certainly. Um, moving on, and something like a, a legit, I guess, question to ask. And that is um, regarding Donovan Mitchell. As you stated earlier, Matt, the Jazz are really riding high. They have a lot of momentum. And considering everything they've gone through, I mean, COVID hit their team first hard. And the rift that was perceived or that is there between Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert, I think it's commendable to see the Jazz bounce back and perform as they have. Um, Mm -hmm. However, you know, after getting the the win on Thursday night, um, Shaq, you know, the Inside the NBA guys interviewed him, and this was a larger conversation. But, of course, I couldn't even find the full clip. Um, It was only because that interview between Shaq um, and Donovan Mitchell uh, basically claiming that – he is not a superstar player that I can't believe that I don't have the direct quote in front of me, but in a sense just kind of criticizing him to his face and it came off disrespectful. And I think it's one of those things where I understand, I get what Shaq's doing because this was told to him. I mean, he's passing down things and I guess I don't want to be seen like an ageist, but I guess I'll go ahead and say, it. I think a lot of the older generation, they, whatever is tough love to them they want to pass down to others because it was effective, but they don't take in consideration the other person's like feelings involved. And I think especially in this day and age, and I'm not only just saying this about Kevin Durant, players are just a lot more sensitive because of the influx of criticism that they're getting from social media. It's different, different than the fan letter you get. You know, you don't have to open it; you can just. Burn it, throw it in the trash. But a lot of these guys, rightly or wrongly, they're on social media quite consistently. When your notifications are, you know, in the thousands, you're going to see that. And so Shaq piling on, I don't necessarily see that being effective. I think there's, you know, words you can choose to, if if you're really about mentoring players in this league, I think Shaq does. I think he generally cares about the younger generation. I think he cares about big men, and particularly um, carry on the legacy that himself has built But when you use words like that and when you're openly criticizing players, I think you turn them off. And I think we've seen that with Dwight Howard, JaBelle McGee, even though it might be true in some extents. I think as an older player, I get what Casey was saying, hey, like, you know, they're supposed to be analysts. But that wasn't an analyst thing. It just seemed like Shaq was just trying to like put his ego and his opinion on it, right? It just wasn't like, hey, like here's your points, here's your rebounds, here's what you can improve. Like that wasn't a journalistic s question or an analyst question. He was just basically putting himself and ahead of the overall, I guess, story. You know, he was trying to make himself the story. And if you're an analyst, you never want to do that. So, what do you make of this that exchange? And I think Donovan Mitchell was very professional, handled it perfectly pretty much squashed the controversy based on his response in that interview. What, what do you make of that?
2: Yeah, definitely. I mean, first and foremost, credit to Donovan Mitchell, because I thought that was really classy on his part. That could have been uh, a much bigger thing than it wound up being. Um, I think if if you look at Shaq and even if you look at Barkley uh, earlier this year with Kevin Durant, you know, we talked about that exchange between he and Durant Barkley kind of asked uh, a non-question, was kind of just talking about, this was opening night, Um, just kind of talked about, like, you're excited to be back. Uh, You must have done a lot of training to get here, Um, right? And that was kind of the question, you know. Um, And with Shaq, I, I think, well, I think both Shaq and Barkley are too proud to admit this. But I think especially with Shaq, I'll bet you almost anything he wishes he could get that moment back and ask Donovan Mitchell a better question or even just put that question in a better light. Because I I still don't think, I I do agree with you that I think this is a tough love thing. This is like a I'm trying to help you type thing. Like You you even hear Shaq later on like, good, that's what I wanted you to say. Uh, But just the delivery of that was so clunky and awkward and off putting. So I think, you know, behind the scenes, I wonder, and obviously these guys, these guys, I mean, who am I and who is anyone else? I mean, these guys are legends, but I wonder if there is going to start to be some discussion of, look, you guys need to prep like a little bit more when we are going into these things. I mean, you don't want it to be robotic. That's inside the NBA is, legendary because so much of it is ad-libbed and fun and out there and you never know what's going to happen. But I do wonder with these post-game questions, if we're going to see them more prepared moving forward. I mean, just as another example, uh, just about a week and a half, maybe two weeks ago, we had Shaq's interaction with Christian Wood where he basically, you know, just outright said like, Hey, I've never really seen you play before, (laughs) but I, I, and as he was kind of continuing, I don't think Shaq heard him, but you know, Christian Wood, of course, made that statement that we alluded to last week, like, oh, you're a casual. Uh, <laughs> and, and just kind of took a jab at Shaq there very, very funnily so. Yeah. Um, but you know, I I don't know, do you get the sense that that these guys even care like how this comment is perceived? I mean, I, I don't see this so. Sorry, to to wrap up the thought with Donovan Mitchell, I don't see it as a big deal. Like Donovan Mitchell is working hard. We mentioned earlier, the Jazz are on an eight game win streak. I think this is nothing for him. Like he said, he's been hearing this the whole time. He's doing what he needs to do. I I think it's like it's a non issue. It just looks bad on Shaq at the end of the day. Do you think behind the scenes, there's, you know, I mean, we've had at least four headlines on inside the NBA by my count over the last you know, month of basketball. Um, I don't know. What are your thoughts on them and and their delivery?
0: So several thoughts. One, I want to read you what LeBron and Kevin Durant had to say about Mm. this because it speaks to a general point. Um, This is from LeBron. Um, This is from their Instagram post. There's a difference between constructive criticism and soft hating, though. I've seen it both ways come my way, mostly the hate. You can hear it in their delivery, and here's Durant. Them old heads need to enjoy retirement. These whites <laughs> have coaches, they work with everyday
2: LOL. Um, <laughs> See, I, and think, I don't agree to that extreme. Like, I, I don't sense hatred. I, I just sense, like, a, a weird, clunky, unprepared delivery or just un out like, underdeveloped <sighs> question. I don't know. I
0: think, I think it's a get-off-my-lawn mentality. Mm. I think guys do bring in grudges. For instance, look at Paul Pierce. I mean, when he's an analyst, that's why I can't stand Paul Pierce as an analyst because he <laughs> you, you there's a there's a video, I don't know if you've seen this, um S B Nation, they're now known as Secret Base. Weird name, but besides the point. They did a thing with Paul Paul Pierce and LeBron James. They're beef. And just as an analyst Paul Pierce always criticized LeBron James pretty irrationally. You could clearly hear that he has a beef with the guy and clearly jealous of LeBron of his success. And it's different than a news writer like Skip Bayless, who built his rep on criticizing LeBron. And that's, you know, Richard Dice will tell you he hates Skip Bayless with a passion. <laughs> Just listen to any of his podcasts. He hates Skip Bayless. And I guess my point is, is that it does damage. I mean, there's a balance, right? Because, you want these guys shooting from the hip so from somebody like a paul pierce who in my opinion has really nothing else to say and it's not constructive i think with shaq and kenny and charles they may be unprepared which is true but they bring in like their stories and anecdotes and their disagreements which i guess makes their opinions I guess something to take seriously more, whether you disagree with them or not, just because they bring in a lot more just of those that, it seems like you're, you're talking to them on the couch, right? Whereas compared to ESPN, they're a lot more polished, a lot more just just, just trying to be a little bit more professional. And I think what you're seeing with Inside the NBA, because this is, this is an ongoing problem, Matt, we've seen not just only this season, but in years past, is just I think I get off your lawn mentality of, okay, this is the game where we played it. Why aren't you playing the game now? Just like, for instance, with Shaq, like the dribble, 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 or what Casey brought up the triple single. Like, these are things that I think a lot of the old heads, they're not really understanding the game how as it has evolved. And something like a Steph Curry, at first they were criticizing him, right, the way he was shooting threes. Why is he shooting a three from there? They, and Instead, he was spreading the floor, and I think that's why I like Jalen Rose so much because he is bridging the gap. He has connections to players from kind of the old school and the new school, and so he, can, he does a good job of providing context as to why he may or may not disagree with something so it doesn't come off as hating. So compared to Shaq, in which I don't think he was trying to be malicious, he was trying to motivate Donovan Mitchell, but it came off of him being as a jerk. And so, from Donovan Mitchell, he's like, you know, f you, dude. Like, you know, like, <laughs> just go, like come on, man, just you know, go eat some Papa Johns or you know, be a sheriff. <laughs> somewhere. Why, why, are you just coming down on me after this this game? So, I think with that's why I like Kenny Smith because I think Kenny Smith is a lot like Jalen, in which he is he can be a siphon between both eras of basketball. And I think where you have a lot of these guys, they're stubborn, such as Shaq and Charles. This is why we love them. But at the same time, with a lot of players in the league, it's a it's a situation in which I don't really blame them for not taking their advice because it does come off as hey, you don't want to listen to that. Like these are players that I think would want to hear their criticism. At the same time, when it it, it, it ma- delivery matters, it does. I mean. If we, right now, we're just, you know, you cook something, Matt, right, for me, and it's like, I may not like it if I just say it sucks, like, this is trash, like, it might, it might hurt your feelings, like, that's disrespectful, instead of just being like, hey, like, it's stuff to improve, stuff to come for next time, like, there's a way you say things, and I think tact matters, and I think a lot of these players, they are sensitive, overly sensitive, I will put, perfectly admit that, at the same time, I think, like you said, these players need to choose their words wisely. Now, in terms of being prepared or not prepared, eh, that's part of the charm. I mean, i just keep it real. I mean, yeah. Shaq has a billion other things to do. I just saw he was like, whatever, whatever it's called, like, sworn in as sheriff in Atlanta. Like, this guy mm. has like 10,000 jobs he has to do. Charles <laughs> plays golf. He complains about going into work once a week. Kenny has his many things. I mean, really, the only person on that show keeping up with the league is Ernie Johnson at a, on a consistent basis. So that makes that's what makes the show. To be honest, um, yeah, does it hurt, does it hurt their credibility one thousand percent. However, do I should they be more prepared? Maybe, but at the same time, is is it gonna? Make, is it more compelling to watch than being unprepared? Probably, you get those moments right and are able to get away with it. Um, I think ask they have I think a lot of more. I don't know, not credibility, but I guess room to. Um, play with in terms of getting away with that type of stuff. That's because the, a lot of the times the that show inside the NBA takes place way late at night um, compared to mm-hmm. on ESPN. A lot of those post game shows you see on ESPN, you see on Sports Center and the pregame. is way earlier on, and I think a lot of those guys on ESPN don't have that same kind of entertainment value. So they're going to get more railed on. I guess compared to Shaq and Charles, they're going to be able to get away with it overall. I don't think it hurts the enjoyment of the show but you know in terms of players and you know if Shaq's gonna sit down with a lot of these guys they may they may shade him and they have every right to do so I mean he's just I mean you can't just talk any type of way to anybody let alone you know one of your peers as Jalen Rose said I mean you're in a fraternity you're in a um you know you're a part of this group that only a select amount of human beings on the face of the earth get to be and so I think there should be a little bit more of a brotherhood, even if you may disagree or want to give criticism. I think choosing your words carefully
2: should be in their best interest when it comes to dealing with these players moving forward. And, and here's the thing. I, I think it's, it's about finding the right balance, right? Like going yeah. back to the food analogy, If if I make you a burger, let's say I put a little salt, a little pepper on it. That's going to be a nicely spiced burger. If I give you a burger and it's all salt to go with our salty shack analogy here, you know, then, then you're not going to enjoy that. Um, And I think the reason that that show has been successful Let's be honest, It's it's been a lot more interesting than the content that ESPN has put out when they have tried to do, you know, like uh, Countdown and, and other shows like that. Because really, you know, back several years back, um, you know, Bill Simmons was kind of like the critical one when he was on that show, because like Doug Collins, not a very critical personality Jalen Rose love him but not not super critical players you know kind of walks a balance understands the players very understanding so I want a little bit of that salt from Shaq and that criticism from Shaq and Charles Barkley but when it sounds out of touch uh like Charles Barkley did in opening night and out of context like you mentioned very correctly like uh, in a huge win several game win streak when Shaq is you know turns that into criticism when it should pretty much be full-on celebration in the context of that post-game interview um yeah you're right it's it's off-putting so i think it's important that they stay critical and that they you know not not trash players anything like that like i think when lebron says it's hate in my opinion, that's too far, and I, I don't agree with LeBron. I don't think there's ill will. I don't think um, so either. But yeah. I, I do think absolutely you're right in that, you know, it's, it's like Donovan Mitchell, you're asked by the media, by their TNT team, like, hey, the guys in Inside the NBA want to talk to you. You're like, great, sweet. I, I had a great game. We're on, I think at that point, it was like a seven-game win streak. Awesome. This is going to be fun. And then Shaq's like, hey, I've always said, you know, I love your game. You're awesome, but you can't get it done when, it, yeah. <laughs> when it's all said and done. You know, that's yeah, not what a direct quote, but yeah. it's just very, very strange and out of touch. So I don't know. I, I think I'm wrong in saying that they need more prep time. You're right. That's kind of the charm of the show is that. They're not always super prepped and the context that they give is valuable in being former NBA players and that fraternity, like you mentioned. But, but I do wonder if like a producer is going to have a meeting with them and, and be like, guys, come on. Like, can we, or, or maybe Ernie to the side or something? I don't know. Maybe you know, Ernie. It's, it's tough. Cause they're legends. Um, and rightfully so, but, but I think, um, you know, it's it's just weird, and it's it's a bad vibe on something that should be like a celebratory moment in the league.
0: Yeah, it it, it sucked to see, to be honest. Um, yeah, I was I wasn't a fan of seeing that. Agree. I think in terms of checking them, I think that's probably falls on Ernie, um, just because he's you know he talked to Shaq just about his antics when first coming on the show about hey dude like people want to hear your analysis and you what you bring to the game your experiences not you fall in the Christmas trees all the time. I mean, there's plenty of time to have fun, but at the same time, it's like, you know, dude, like you just, you know, you're not a circus act. I mean, how many times, I mean, as I would not care to admit, to see Shack without any pants on? I mean, it has been on Inside the NBA, so I think it wouldn't surprise me if there's any type of um, checking there. At the same time, is he is offering his opinion at just wish? phrasing it differently it's that's all he has to do he can still be honest i think you can still have your cake and eat it too don't have to be disrespectful but at the same time you want to motivate these players so be it um so and uh, like you said with lebron i don't think it's hate i don't think so i think if that was the case Shaq wouldn't even he, he would just wouldn't talk to him if he felt that way so um we'll just have to wait and see Have you any other thoughts on this topic
2: matt no you you said it well that that's the thing is i think it's just like a simple little yeah. tweak and you Agreed. fix the issue. Agreed. Cause like, even, even if Shaq had just said, like, you know, a lot of people have said you are a great superstar in this league. You are the leader of your team. You're the, the alpha dog in Utah. A lot of people have said that you might not be able to do it in yeah. the playoffs. You know, what would you say to those people given that you're on a seven game win streak right now? You know, and, and yeah. it's so, I, I don't even think that makes a headline.
0: No, I don't think so either. Or even him just saying, "Hey, like I'm not a true believer in your game, but I see a lot of progress, and I see the potential in you to to be a, a superstar in this league." Even though I might have criticized you this this hard, what steps are you taking to improve upon that? I think you know, there's there's multiple ways to, to, to do that, and I just think Shaq didn't use his words carefully. Uh, I don't think he's the greatest orator <laughs> in the world. Um, so nor does he have to be. No. Yeah. No. At the same time. I just think, no, we'll move on in a second, but this brings up the JaVale McGee because, you know, I think in that, in Dwight Howard too, because I think both guys were seen as having their faults. Shaq was seen as kind of the, I don't know, lack of a better word, protagonist in that, um, the good guy. Um, But at the same time, it's just, it's just a way of going about it. And I think a lot of these guys know each other from high school. I mean, Jeez, so I mean, LeBron just through not only his son, but you know, through AAU, like all these guys are tied into the community. They all know each other. So even though they're going to be adversaries, you know, in the NBA, it is going to create that rift. And I think you're going to see where you might not see that much access, unfortunately, with these former players. I think with the media, I understand because these media guys probably never they never played on the higher level as the people as they're covering. But with the players. I would like to see at least them opening, opening up to them. And if that's not the case, I think you might see a rift between, you know, players that are analysts and and players on the court. And I think that'd be highly unfortunate to see.
2: Yeah. Like, I I mean, I think it would be a shame if more of the NBA had like the current playing NBA, if more of those players had the perspective and the hatred that KD has towards that older generation, I think that'd be a terrible shame. Um, And, and, you know, Kd's an outlier, um, and, and we've talked about how he handles criticism in the past. Some of that fair, some of that maybe um, oversensitive. But um, you know, I, I like you. I just hope it doesn't devolve to that point because uh, the NBA has thrived off of these personalities, um, yeah. and and that's what you know created my love for the game in the '90s, um, and that's what you know should be carrying the game through younger generations.
0: Agreed. Um, Two last things real quick, and then we'll wrap it up. Um, Steph Curry passes Reggie Miller for second all-time in three points made, has only Ray Allen left to catch. Um, What do you make of this? Pretty huge accomplishment. Um, I have said this. I think Stephen A. has said this multiple. I think he's the greatest shooter we've ever seen. Just unbelievable. Um, What do you make of his accomplishment?
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's, uh, I believe about 500 three-pointers away from catching Ray Allen for number one all time. So I don't know if that'll happen this season, but if not this season, then probably early to mid next season, we're going to see that. Um, And so, yeah, I mean, just speaks for itself that he is the greatest shooter we've ever seen. He not only has the catch and shoot capability that you think of someone like a Ray Allen, um, but he also has off the dribble. I mean, we've seen countless highlights of sick handles in, in their own right from Steph Curry and then followed up by nailing a three from the logo. So he really has changed the game. I mean, you know, when when we ran our podcast the first time through, I mean, we were mm-hmm. talking about this guy is probably going to be the greatest shooter in NBA history. And we are seeing that being confirmed through his playing actions. Uh, Reggie Miller credit to him. He was, uh, he was very gracious and, and kind to Steph Curry. I mean, he had to imagine this was coming, but, but also keep in mind, Steph Curry is only 32 and he's got more years to play in the league. So it's hard to imagine right now. I'm sure it'll happen at some point, but it's hard to imagine someone catching him once he does break that record. Um,
0: Yeah. yeah. It's, it's going to be wear and tear just in terms of his body. So I think if he has to have a long career, especially playing with Clay Thompson, I don't really see anybody touching that record. But, I mean, if he gets hurt, then I think it's, you know, even though it's, he's passing it, I think it's going to be up for grabs, especially where the league is going. It's it's such a three-point league. So I I see it being more obtainable. It it just depends on where, when is Steph Curry's career going to be over? So um, that'll be an interesting thing just to to, to observe. And hopefully he just has, a lot more of a longer career past 32.
2: The other thing I should have looked up is where Clay Thompson is on this list. Cause I wonder what the potential Uh. is. Obviously you have the injury setback, but I wonder what the potential is for the splash brothers being one and two on this list when their careers are said and done. I I do think Clay, you know, has to be, um, you know, top five by the time his career is done, assuming he can come back from this injury.
0: Let's see here. So I'm on the list. Ray Allen's one, Steph Curry's two, Miller's three. Guess who's number
2: four? I don't know. Is it Kyle, Clay Thompson already? Oh. Kyle Korver. Oh, wow. Yeah. Good for you, Kyle Korver. This is
0: for a basketball <laughs> reference. And then we have um, James Harden, Vince Carter, wow. Jason Terry, Jamal Crawford, Paul Pierce, Jason Kidd, Dirk, Dirk Nowinski, Joe Johnson, Jr. Smith, and then LeBron is fourteenth. Wow! You wouldn't think LeBron is fourteenth, and then you're talking about Clay Thompson. He is 19 on his
2: list. Wow! How how far away is he from being, let's say, like fifth? Uh, let's see. I got to do some math, Matt. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> We're supposed to talk sports, not math. Full, full <laughs> disclosure, <laughs> math is not
0: my strong suit. So <laughs> Mine <let's> either. <laughs> see. Fifth is James Harden. So he is 2,362. So this is going to make for a boring podcast listening to, but I'm doing the math now. And then uh, Clay Thompson's 1,798. So he's about 564 threes away from James Harden.
2: Okay. So that's yeah. probably two, three seasons work. Yeah. Um, if if he's on a, a really fast pace there. So yeah, probably unlikely that we see a one and two situation with the Splash Brothers there. But, but I think he could still crack top five, at least when it's all said and done.
0: Well, it's so fascinating that LeBron is 14th on this list. Um, you don't mention three point shooting in LeBron too much, and that's I think it's even more ridiculous with Ben Simmons, which I'll I'll, I'll segue to you know the Lakers <laughs> playing the Seventy ers This I don't I'll keep bringing them up all day long because <laughs> I, I just to me. Just to have, because he, he always put him as this this superstar player. I don't understand. It's just it's it's baffling to me. And we've asked a bunch of people, and they don't understand it either. Now one person's <laughs> defended Ben Simmons. I don't correct me if I'm wrong. Now one person said, "Oh, he's a superstar. He's this. He's great." And I'm I want my I generally maybe want my mind changed. I'm I'm open to hey, you're wrong, Justin. Like Ben Simmons is the man. But Casey put it like he shot way more in college. He doesn't want to shoot the ball now. Like, and to me, comparing him to LeBron, which LeBron is 14th on the three-point list, to Ben Simmons, in which we, we see him trending for hitting or missing a three-pointer. <laughs> it's, just, it's baffling to me. Sad. Um, so, but it's just to this point, real quickly, previewing his matchup, um, what are you looking in, the, in this regular season uh, matchup between the 76ers and the Lakers? Just because the Sixers, I think, compared to any other season, are considered a legit title contender what are you looking to see in terms of not only the 76ers winning it, but in particularly Joel Embiid asserting his dominance?
2: I think the Sixers, I mean, part of the reason they've been so successful this year in the East is that they have a lot of depth on that roster, especially considering that James Harden trade didn't go through. I mean, they, they had a lot of interesting pieces to offer. So I think they do match up well in terms of one through five, like being able to put someone, put a man on every person. Um, so I'm interested to see how they guard AD because I think AD is too quick for Joel Embiid to stay on him. That That's one thing that I would be interested in watching is how do they handle AD? Because they're they're probably going to put Ben Simmons on LeBron James just because he's quick. He's a long yeah. defender. If there is a high level skill that Ben Simmons does have it's playmaking first and foremost, as, as far as distributing the ball, driving to the lane and then also perimeter defense and, yeah. and guarding smaller guards. Defender. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but no, your, your criticisms are fair. You know, I've, I've laid out my case, but at the end of the day, it it, it never adds up to how he was hyped. Um, but anyway, so I think, um, you know, there, there could be more, pressure and incentive for these players to play a little bit harder than a normal regular season game, just because this is kind of the early, you know, quarter season or uh, third season NBA finals. If, if we're looking at it that way, this is your top team from the West versus top team from the East. Typically, not always, but typically Um, these are another statement game like warriors versus Lakers was a statement game because of that history there. And Steph kind of having that chip on his shoulder as he's had this year, this is a statement game, I think for more, more so for doc rivers and the 76ers. So if the Lakers show up and are engaged, like they have been, even when they've been coasting for the most part this year, then I think we get a really interesting matchup. Um, so I don't know. Those are my kind of keys uh, to that game, what what else are you looking for? Looking in that matchup, which, by the way, for your listeners, is on Wednesday night on ESPN.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. Not not too much to add. I think again, it's it's the regular season. How much credence can you lend to it, right? I mean, how many times. When you get into a playoff series and then they, they show regular season series, one team has three wins, the other team has zero. It's like not too much to really see there. Um, I'm looking to see how Embiid performs just because this is a spotlight game on national television. And just ultimately to see how he matches up with, the with I think, LeBron. And not only that, Ben Simmons against LeBron as well in a pressure situation. Um, and just to see when a going gets cup tough like how good is his defense against a prime lebron when the game's on the line so it's but it's iffy right you know we could see a blowout you know in the you know first half and it you know we might not get to a close game situation so i think if the scenario comes up I, i'm interested to see how the 76ers react especially as doc Rivers is coach you know in a, in a close game situation so i'm looking forward to seeing that um before we say goodbye matt anything else you wanted to add
2: man i'm good a whole lot of beef in the nba this past week so i i am stuffed (laughs) you got anything else
0: um just some housekeeping notes we have a bunch of interviews up on our youtube channel thank you matt for um, setting all that up please drop us a like and subscribe um and then also check us out on social media through twitter through facebook and through instagram we have interviews with greg goods Um, He is uh, the host of On The Spot Podcast. We have Blake Murphy, an interview with him from The Athletic Toronto. Um, He covers the Raptors. We have our awesome interview with Chris Manning. Um, He's the host of NBA 2K TV. Uh, We have Sean Hyken of Bleacher Report, Eric Woodyard of ESPN, We have John Gotti from Complex, Carrie Champion. We have Jock Slade. I mean, really, anything covering basketball, we we have you covered, not just the the NBA, but the WNBA as well, just encompassing all of basketball culture. We want to make sure that this podcast is the home for that. So make sure you check us out on all of your podcasting platforms. We are there with our latest shows. And then don't forget, this Wednesday, we'll have that interview with um, John Hartfulis, um, a great interview with him, um, a host of a couple of podcasts, his latest podcast, um, G- uh, Gen Z, excuse me, butchered that, um, Gen Z podcast, really interesting interview, he has a great perspective because he's an assistant high school basketball coach, along with hosting just a podcast of his own, so he has a lot of just perspective from a youth level as well as a professional level too, so it was just awesome talking to him, that interview will be up up on Wednesday. So for uh, Matt Thomas, I am Justin Goodrum. Have a great week, and we'll see you next week.
2: Peace.